We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Jacob Albrocht, Tommy Gaster. This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. All right, here we go. Welcome in. It's Sports Daily on a Friday, the final Sports Daily of 2022 as we put a bow on the year that was in the sports world. I'm Tommy Caster, along with Paul Savage, Jad Chambers, producing today your calls at 869-1240. A lot to get to on the program today as we have a huge weekend of sports, not just football, but also college hoops. And, man, we've got a lot to talk about. Of course, the Sugar Bowl is tomorrow. Kansas State taking on Alabama in New Orleans at 11 o'clock. Both KU and K-State have their conference openers in the Big 12 in basketball this weekend. The Chiefs and Broncos play at Arrowhead on Sunday. We've got our Friday football picks. We've got a lot more to talk about. Paul Savage, welcome into the show. How you doing, big fella? Doing good. How about you, big boy? It's a weekend ready to go. K-State football. We got it coming, and Wichita State basketball as well. I'm a happy man. Yeah, you know, I was sitting back uh, this morning and thinking about all the different things that we've got to get to today. And, you know, Fridays are always busy. Like, that's that's part of the show, right? We know that Fridays are coming up, and you're looking forward to the weekend. And, you know, whether it's football or basketball, you've got a lot always going on on Fridays. But with bowl season happening right now, and then, of course, we're kicking off conference play in Big 12 basketball Um, it's a fun time of year, right? I mean, we're focused on football, but we've also got a pretty close eye on basketball too. Got it going both ways. It's one of the best times of the year. There's no question about that. All right. So of course, tomorrow, the Wichita state shockers have their home conference opener at Coke arena, taking on East Carolina at three o'clock. The shockers dropped their opening conference matchup in American play uh, just the other night on the road at UCF and as I mentioned East Carolina coming into town and we're very excited to have Jeff Charles he's the voice of the Pirates uh, here on Sports Daily this morning Jeff welcome to the show I understand that uh, you are getting ready to leave for Wichita so we appreciate you taking a few minutes to talk to us today well, guys, I appreciate the opportunity to visit with you. Yes, we're leaving Greenville at 2 o'clock uh, this afternoon, headed to Wichita and a uh, place where the Pirates have not had too much success over the years, but excited about the game coming up tomorrow afternoon. Yeah, so I want to ask you about that first off. So East Carolina is the only team in the conference that uh, has not yet beat Wichita State. So, you know, you've been around for a long time. you followed this team for a long time. Where have the Pirates struggled, do you think, in the past against Wichita State? Well, when they go out to Wichita State, they have a hard time scoring the basketball. That's been uh, the main thing. And, of course, I don't have to tell you guys this, your fans, this is a very difficult place for opposing teams 
to come in and play. And the Pirates have had a hard time. But quite frankly, uh, Wichita State's just had better, more talented teams than East Carolina's had over the years. So scoring the basketball has, has been a problem. Handling the environment has been a problem over the years. I think this year the matchup is a little bit more even. The Pirates have played Wichita, of course, a lot better at home in Greenville. But on the road, it's been tough. And I think the Pirates feel like they've got a better shot at them this year. But we'll have to wait and see and see how things go tomorrow. Well, now this league, I'm not sure they got this right because I think you guys are a better basketball team than the league gives you credit. You were picked last in the conference uh, for the AAC, but you're not a last place team. You guys are better than that. And you barely you barely got beat by Temple just this uh, uh, last few days. And you've got one of the one of the league's best players in Brandon Johnson, who's averaging eleven uh, or uh, who's averaging uh, uh, nine point eight rebounds per game. This guy can play. Tell us a little about this team and his relationship to uh, with with Brandon Johnson. Well, Brandon has been great this year. He's had seven double-doubles. He's averaging 12.5 points and 9.8 rebounds, doing a nice job shooting almost 50% from the field, 71% from the free throw line. He can knock down threes as well. He's kind of a step-out four at 6'8", 215 pounds. So, yes, he's having a really good year for this basketball team. And Javon Small is as well. He's the point guard, and Javon leads uh, the American in assists. He has almost uh, five assists per game to his credit, and he's scoring the basketball well, too. He's averaging 16.6 points a game, and he's a very good rebounding guard for a guy 6'2". He's getting five rebounds a game, and he can knock down threes at 36%. He's made 29 of them. Takes good care of the basketball, 77 assists, 43 turnovers, which is very good. So, yes, the Pirates have a couple of weapons there, and R.J. Felton's a very athletic player, uh, when you go to the game tomorrow, you'll notice number three. He's very athletic. He can jump out of the gym. He's really improved his shooting. He's averaging 11.5 points a game. He's had 24 three-pointers this year. So, yes, uh, guys, they, they do have some weapons. They missed a great opportunity, I think, on Wednesday night. Temple came into town, and Temple was without Damian Dunn, one of the top five scorers in the league, and they were without their big guy, Jameel Reynolds, who was averaging 11 points and six rebounds. He's the 6'10 transfer from UCF uh, into a Temple this year. And they were both injured and hurt. Two of their starters were out. The Pirates had them at home. You thought they had a pretty good chance to win that game, and they did. And they came up just a little bit short and lost 59-57 to because Khalif Battle, Temple's outstanding guard, really took over in the second half, and the Pirates really didn't have much of an answer for him. So, they're stinging just a little bit from that loss, and we'll see how they respond tomorrow against the Shockers. Talking to Jeff Charles, he's the voice of the East Carolina Pirates here on Sports Daily. And, and Jeff, uh, in when we look at Wichita State, uh, their opening game on the road at UCF, uh, they didn't have Craig Porter Jr., their leading scorer, their their leader of the team, uh, injured his ankle a couple of weeks ago, and still up in the air whether or not he'll play for Wichita State tomorrow. Um, one of the things that Wichita State that we've talked about at length here on this show is their struggle in scoring the basketball, and especially when you lose the production like Craig Porter Jr. brings to the table. Uh, that's not the, you know, the identity. It's not ideal for Wichita State to lose that uh, kind of leader. And then, of course, uh, they already struggle in scoring the basketball. Defensively for East Carolina, in your mind, what, what's the strategy defensively to attack what Wichita State wants to do on the offense? 
Well, number one, Michael Schwartz is in his first year as East Carolina's head coach. Joe Dooley was let go at the end of last year. Michael Schwartz has come in. He was an assistant coach at Tennessee. The last four years, he was the associate head coach at Tennessee with Rick Barnes. He is a defense-first guy, and that's what he's trying to do with the program. He's trying to establish the defensive end first, and it's a man-to-man defense 99.9% of the time. And they do a really good job with it. And so they'll come out with a very sticky man-to-man defense against Wichita tomorrow. He has really emphasized that with his players all season long. And the kids have really bought in. And they play extremely hard on that end of the floor. So I'm just doing my pregame show notes here, guys, before we take off and, and head to Wichita. And I'm thinking to myself, if the Pirates can hold Wichita to their averages, which is 64.5 points a game, shooting 42% from the field, just 29% from three. If they can do that, they might have a chance to win the game tomorrow if they can keep it in the 60s. So we'll wait and see. That's been a difficult thing over the years, though. As I mentioned before, Wichita's certainly run up some pretty big numbers against the Pirates when they've had these home games. So whether this game will be different or not, I I don't know. And, of course, Craig Porter is a terrific player. When you look at Craig Porter with – 21 block shots to lead this team as a 6-2 guard. That certainly yeah. shows you how athletic he is. Well, the, one more question for you from me, Jeff, and I appreciate you spending some time with us this morning before your your journey to Wichita. And that is we all understand Brandon Johnson and what he brings. I mean, he's one of the best players in the entire conference. There's no question about that. But there's got to be somebody to help him. So with all those fans that will be sitting in the roundhouse tomorrow, my question is this. Who's the one guy from, from Eastern Carolina – that if he goes off, uh, then this team might actually win a road game in the roundhouse against Wichita State. Uh, what's that one player? Who should fans who are sitting there watching this game live, who's the one guy that you can tell them if he goes off on Wichita State, ECU wins? I would say number three, R.J. Felton. R.J. is very capable of having a 20-plus point game. He's had three of them this year. He went back to South Carolina. He is from Aiken, South Carolina, a couple of weeks ago. It had 25 points against the Gamecocks, so he is very capable, and he's he's very, very athletic. He can really run. He can really jump, and his three-point shooting is really good. Now, sometimes he can blow a little bit hot and cold. He can go out and get you 20, and maybe the next night only get you seven or eight. But if he is on tomorrow afternoon, he is that one guy who I think could help carry the Pirates to a victory. Jeff, one more for you before we let you go. You've been a pretty busy guy, uh, of course, broadcasting all of uh, ECU's football and basketball games. And ECU had a big bowl win uh, in the Birmingham Bowl earlier this week, beating Coastal Carolina 53-29. to uh, That was a fun game to watch, especially offensively for East Carolina. Uh, but I know, you, I know you've been on the road a lot. I know you've been traveling, doing football and basketball. Uh, what was that bowl game like for you? Well, the bowl game was great because the Pirates came up with the win and uh, they completed yeah. their season 8-5 and five this year. They went 7-5 and five last year, 8-5 and five this year. They were scheduled to play in a bowl game last season, the Military Bowl against Boston College, and then COVID got to the Eagles football program and the game was canceled just a day before the game was supposed to be played. So they were really disappointed with that. So this year was like, let's go back to a bowl game and get there and and win the game. And they were able to do that. And Holt Naylor's, who's been the quarterback here for four years, was named the MVP of the Ticket Smarter Birmingham Bowl. He had a terrific game. He threw for five touchdown passes, which is a bowl record. And so, yes, it was great. 
the game was uh, a, a shootout that we expected to see an offensive shootout, and that's what we saw. And East Carolina came up with a win, and Mike Houston's doing a really good job here as the football coach. He came into a situation here where the program had been really down. They had had three consecutive three and nine seasons. So he had a big rebuilding job on his hands, and he's been able to turn things around. And now back-to-back winning seasons has East Carolina respectable again. And with the league changing as it is football-wise, the feeling is here that East Carolina should be competing at the top of the conference year in and year out in football. So we'll see if that's the case. But right now things uh, are very optimistic in Greenville and around the East Carolina football program. Well, Jeff, we look forward to seeing you in Wichita tomorrow. Safe travels on your way here. And uh, we're looking forward to, to seeing East Carolina in the roundhouse tomorrow afternoon. Again, safe travels. Thanks for being on the show. Okay, Tommy and Paul, thank you guys so much for the invitation. And we always look forward to coming to Wichita. All right, sounds good. There goes Jeff Charles. He's the voice of the East Carolina Pirates. Here on Sports Daily, the Pirates come to Wichita to take on the Shockers inside Coke Arena tomorrow afternoon. Tip is at 3 o'clock, and you can listen to the game uh, on 103.7 KEYN tomorrow afternoon. It should be a lot of fun. Uh, and, Paul, just kind of expounding on that a little bit uh, from, from Jeff Charles. Of course, we know that East Carolina is the only conference team to never beat the Shockers since Wichita State has joined the American you know, we, we've seen what Wichita State can do and where they've struggled this season. This, this might be the best opportunity that East Carolina has gotten in the last several years to take down the Shockers. Well, and that's and that's exactly right. And and part of the thing about uh, ECU, they have an identity. Brandon Johnson, to be real truthful, we talked about him several times in this interview. And, and part of the reason we did that is because that's how important this kid is. I mean, he's a body. He's a presence. He can do so many things. Uh, he's one of those kids that, that, quite frankly, I won't be shocked if he's going to be a first-team all-AAC uh, uh, player. And, and when you have players like that, anything can happen. This is a team that just lost, you know, barely to, to Temple. And, and this, team, this team has the capability, the people, the presence, and uh, the ability to uh, to beat Wichita State at home, and it could happen. Shockers got to come out. They got to play hard. They've got to do some of the things better that we talk about week after week. At least it seems like we talk about it week after week after week. Some of the same things. We're talking about rebound. We're talking about turnovers. We're talking about shooting better. We're talking about defending. We're talking about points off of off of turnover. You know, we're talking about the same things. Every week, Wichita State has got to show signs of getting better at some of those little things that it takes to win games at this high level of the AAC. Well, Paul, I'll tell you one thing that Jeff said that uh, stuck out to me a What's couple that? moments ago. I don't, I don't know if you caught it, but okay. he was talking about the averages that Wichita State has had this season. And his words were, if East Carolina can hold Wichita State in the 60s, yeah. then East Carolina has a good chance to win the game. Yeah. And I'm sorry, Wichita State can't even score 50 right now. They scored right. 45 on the road at UCF uh, just the <laughs> other night, and they've, they've struggled in even getting to 60 points. Uh, so really, from that, from that perspective, scoring the basketball, as we know, as it is in every game, is going to be paramount. But if they want to have an opportunity to at least – um, put more pressure on East Carolina and preserve that winning streak against the Pirates, they've got to find a replacement in production if Craig Porter doesn't play. All right. Well, that's a good point, Tommy, because that went right over my head, and I appreciate you pointing that out because I, I chuckled a little 
when you said it, and we all realized it, probably everybody yeah. that's listening to this show realized it except me, the big dummy, and I didn't realize it, but that is well said. That was a good get from you, from your perspective, and you're exactly right. This team has got to eventually get to the point where they're scoring and scoring more than 45, 50, 55 points. They've got to get on some runs, and they've got to be more efficient shooting the basket, uh, the basketball. But that's what we've talked about week after week of this of this particular season. That's been the number one concern for all of us, hasn't it, Tommy? And that the, is that not your number one concern going into this game? Turnovers, of course. I get it. Rebounding, of course. I get it. You know, uh, points in the paint, yes, I get it. But shooting well, that's the number one concern for everybody. Is it not for you as well? Yeah, no, I, I, it definitely is. Um, I, I think it's consistency in shooting the basketball. We've seen them be able to put up points. They've done that in, in a handful of games this season, but they haven't done it consistently. That's and, it. you know, yep. one of the biggest things that, that I brought up before the conference opener against UCF was if they're not going to have Craig Porter Jr., if they're going to be without him, they've got an opportunity to have another player, whether it's, you know, Jaron Pierre or somebody else step up. And, you know, Gus Okafor had a, a good shooting game uh, against UCF. Uh, on Wednesday, but they've got to have somebody else be able to come up and, and take over a little bit of that production. They really weren't able to do that uh, against UCF only scoring 45 points. So that's going to be paramount. Um, the other thing too, we know how good the shocker defense typically is. They're going to need to play good defense because ECU has some scorers. You talked about Brandon Johnson, who has seven double doubles on the season. Uh, he had another double double the last time against Temple, 11 points, 18 rebounds. Of course, Jeff Charles talked about Javon Small leading the Pirates in scoring and assists. He, he scores almost 17 points a game. They've got some other good guys, too, offensively, and Jaden Walker, who scored 11 points against Temple, and Ezra Azar, who also scored 10 points in that game against Temple the other night. So they've got, they've got weapons that can shoot the basketball. So if Wichita State can turn the game into kind of a, a slog fest, right, it's going to be defensive-minded, that sort of thing, and they're able to shoot the ball better than we've seen them before, that's going to be important for Wichita State. The other thing, Paul, and I want to get your thoughts on before we close and move on, is the inability that I think we've seen from Wichita State to be able to adjust offensively when things aren't working for them. When the shot is not falling, the three ball is not falling, being able to try to go somewhere else, find another strategy, another option to get the ball in the bucket, and I feel like that's something that Wichita State has struggled with. Boy, and, and what the answer is, only, only Coach Brown really has a feel for that because I'm not sure what it is. I, I'm not sure that, that, that I could definitively say, well, this guy needs more playing time. This guy needs to be in these particular situations. When a run starts with the other team, you got to put this guy in and change these things up. I'm not sure Coach Brown's got to figure that out. I don't know that. I don't know that very many people would have a feel for that. You could have an opinion, I guess, but but you're exactly right. What do you do? What have? What is your go-to? I, I, maybe that's kind of a, a, your question in a roundabout way. What is your go-to for this team? Yeah, and I don't know that this team has an actual go-to because you know six men can be so valuable. Because that's your go-to guy. Something not working, he goes in, your sixth man goes in, and great sixth men are so valuable because that's your go-to. What do you do to change things up? You put in this guy. I don't know what that is. I don't know who that is. And with the way injuries are right now with this team, with particularly with Craig Porter uh, Jr., you look at this team and you go, 
I'm not sure I know. I hope Coach Brown knows, but there's got to be something. There's got to be a go-to situation, but I just don't know what it is yet. Well, it's going to be an interesting matchup tomorrow inside the roundhouse. East Carolina looking for their first ever win against the Wichita State Shockers. Again, tip-off is at 3 o'clock, and you can listen to the game on 103.7 KEYN on our family of networks here. Uh, with Odyssey, again, our thanks to Jeff Charles, voice of the East Carolina Pirates, joining us here as we kick off Sports Daily. And we're only getting started. A lot more to come here on the program with Paul and I. We're going to talk about KU and K-State, their Big 12 openers this weekend in basketball. Of course, the Sugar Bowl tomorrow with the Wildcats in Alabama, Chiefs and Broncos, our Friday football picks a lot more on the way stick around it's sports daily on KFH Welcome back, everybody. Sports Daily on a Friday, the final Sports Daily of 2022. Tommy Castor, Paul Savage, Jad Chambers producing today. Your calls at 869-1240. I got to tell you, Paul, uh, I'm not even I'm not even a K-State fan. Um, I mean, I respect K-State. I'm not even a, a fan, but I'm really excited for the Sugar Bowl. I'm really excited for tomorrow. I'm excited for Kansas State to be able to play on this national stage against the national brand of Alabama um, in the spotlight, one of the biggest games that the program has ever had. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to it. I think that this is a huge opportunity for Kansas State to show that they belong as far as one of the, the top national programs in America. Um, I can't wait for it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Well, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it as well. That's going to be one of those must-see TV-type deals where you're going to settle in. And you're going to really watch every play. I mean, that's what I'm planning on doing, and I think a lot of people are. And uh, I can't wait for it. The one thing that I want to see, though, Tommy, and the thing that I'm most curious about is I want to take a look at Meat on the Hoof. Do you remember the old 1960s book entitled Meat on the Hoof, which was about the University of Texas football and you know how, how schools go through players? I'm looking at Meat on the Hoof. I'm looking at at. The difference, I'm going to try to see if I can see a noticeable difference between the athletes at the University of Alabama and the athletes at Kansas State. And Fitz did a great job yesterday on this radio show talking about who these people are, how good they are, how highly recruited they are. These are the creme de la creme amongst high school kids who go to college to play football. And I want to see, is there really that big a difference? Can we tell that difference? Or does, as one matures and gets older and becomes a sophomore and then a junior and a senior, can, 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 can kids catch up with other kids? I'm very curious. I want to see if there's a noticeable difference in talent on that field. Well, first off, uh, to respond to you, no, I don't remember that book. Uh, I'm a lot younger than you are, Paul. Oh, so thank I, you I for don't. that. Sure, yeah, thanks. No, yeah. no. <laughs> sure, that's but no, great. I'm, I'm right. I'm you know, right there with you, though. I'm going to get no, my go leather ahead. helmet out. I'm going to get my leather helmet out, and <laughs> the next time I see, you, I'm going to run into you with it. How's that? Was that back when the goalposts were at the at the goal line instead of behind? <laughs> yeah, there, thank you. Back for in that. that back in those days, is uh, that right? Yeah, uh, thank you. Yeah, 
It was like literal pigskin back then, wasn't it? That's right. It's um, right. Yeah. No, I'm I'm with you though. As far as this game is concerned, one what I'm really uh, intrigued by, uh, I've been reading up on this game and and you know looking at some of the comparisons between these two teams, and and there are comparisons that have been made nationally with the way that Kansas State runs their offense, with a way that a previous Alabama team ran their offense. So you go back to 2015. Of course, Alabama has had great team after great team after great team under Nick Saban. But back in 2015, Alabama had Lane Kiffin as their offensive coordinator. Jake Coker was their quarterback. They ran a lot of wide receiver screens, jet sweeps, things like that. That's a lot what can, you know, Kansas State does a lot of that too. The difference is in 2015 with Alabama, when they did that, they had Derrick Henry in the run game. We know what Derrick Henry can do. We know what he did in college. We know what he's done in the NFL. Uh, Kansas State has Deuce Vaughn. Those two guys are not built similar at all. Deuce Vaughn is 5'6", 170 yards. Derrick Henry was 245 pounds. So you've got different sizes in the, the lead back for both of these teams back, you know, if you're comparing the way Kansas State runs their offense today with the way Alabama did back in 2015 when Derrick Henry was the running back. I find that interesting that, you know, they, they, they run a similar kind of offense with a completely different kind of running back. But Kansas State has had a lot of success doing that offensively throughout the entire season. Right. And I think that uh, yesterday Fitz made a really good uh, uh, point, particularly when he was talking about, you know, as good as the players are at the University of Alabama, these kids are coached to do certain things. I can remember talking one time to a coach of, let's say, I'm going to say it's a, a notable uh, Power Five conference football coach who was a defensive uh, coordinator who told me what we've been trying to do here lately and the latest thing that, that we do, and this was a number, this is probably 10 or 15 years ago, so it's a little out of date now. But he said what, we, what, we were, what we're doing is we're finding the best athletes possible, lining them up, and telling them to get depth into the backfield as defensive players and make plays with their athleticism. You can't do, the, you, you can't do that today. You can't do that with the way football is played offensively. That doesn't work anymore. You've got to coach these kids. And remember Fitz talked about gap control? I mean, I love yeah. it when Fitz, uh, Fitz uses the words gap control. That just excites the heck out of me. And I can tell you <laughs> this right now, that that's exactly what this team does. You take great athletes, the, five, the four and the five-star recruits, then you coach the heck out of them so that they become very uh, proficient in the skills that football require. And you've got a team like Alabama, a team that I swear to goodness sakes, I really do not understand how they have two losses. I mean, I get it. I, Tennessee, that's a good team. I mean, I slept on them halfway through the, through, the, through the year. I mean, before I all of a sudden it hit me like a ton of bricks. Hey, this team's good. You know, pay attention to them a little. Okay, I think I will. But the point is, is that when you – when you put together great athletes and great coaching and give those kids purpose and, and, and teach them the right way to play this, this science of football, then it's hard to beat. That's why, boy, oh, boy, you know, this pick, you know, given six and a half points, is that enough? When we get to that point, I have not made my decision, Tommy. I do not know how I'm going to make that pick yet. I'm still yeah. mulling it around in my head. But, man, I'll tell you what, skilled kids being coached, who are great athletes, that's a darn good combination, Tommy. Think of the opportunity here that Will Howard has going into this game. Um, 
and it, it's been discussed at length. We don't necessarily need to get into it again, but you know how he played last season in relief of Skylar Thompson, and the fan base was ready to move on. Uh, I think that at the time the coaching staff was ready to move on because they went out and got Adrian Martinez in the transfer portal. Martinez goes down injured, and the development uh, of Will Howard from last season to this season has been incredible. Uh, and the the stage that he's on, going head-to-head with Alabama's defense, having Bryce Young, who will absolutely play on Sundays next year, uh, on the opposite end of the field as him, he's got a huge opportunity here to raise his profile nationally. And I would think that Kansas State fans have to feel incredibly secure having Will Howard at the quarterback position, not only tomorrow, but for next season as well. Well, I wouldn't have thought that, you know, you know, six, seven, eight games ago, just sure, like you, yeah. just like you. I thought, well, I'm not, you know, I've got to see this to, to, to know this is going to work and it's got to be proven. to. Well, he did a great job of proving it to me. Is he is he a Heisman candidate? No. Is there a Heisman candidate in Lawrence? I think there is. But there are two different type of quarterbacks and two different types of offenses in two different types of football. Well, no, no. They're actually one type of football program. Those are both coaches who have have you know their 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 wits about them and understand what it takes to 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 win at the college level. So no, that's not the case. But it's it's two different types of quarterbacks at K State and at KU. But I'll tell you what, this guy has won the hearts and minds of this football team. This team believes in 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 their quarterback. This team will fight for their quarterback. This team will do everything it takes to make this team successful. And when you have buy-in by an entire football team, and that, in fact, the entire K-State community, I think you could say, uh, when you have this kind of buy-in to a particular quarterback, man, good things happen. Things just happen in, in a good way. So, yeah, this is a program that it, that has found its guy and bless the, bless the heart of, of uh, Edgar Martinez. It's, it's good that he came to K-State. Uh, I was always wondering just how good he would be. But, uh, you know, things work out, have worked out well, and K-State has a quarterback I think it can depend on. Uh, Will he be a flashy quarterback? Will he be a Heisman candidate? No, I don't think so. But he's going to be that quarterback that players like to rally around. And, man, Tommy, that's big. That's big, my friend. Yeah. And Will Howard, that you know, he's not a flashy quarterback, no, right? No, he's not. You know, he's not. He's not super mobile, um, but they don't need him to be. They've got you know Deuce Vaughn and DJ Giddens in the backfield, um, kind of a one-two punch to be able to run the football. So they don't need Will Howard to be mobile. In fact, when the running game is effective with Deuce and DJ, it softens up the defense, right? And it allows uh, Will Howard to be able to throw deep. And 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 that's really that's the game plan for Kansas State, I think, offensively tomorrow. One question that I have for you, we mentioned Adrian Martinez, uh, and and Jacob and I had a debate about this earlier this week. Is there, assuming that Adrian Martinez is healthy, which it, it sounds like indications are that he is, is there a place for him in this game tomorrow where they have some you know designed package plays? We know that Martinez can be mobile, is there an opportunity, do you think, for Adrian Martinez to get on the field? Jacob says that the Kansas State offense, it would add an additional layer of uh, explosiveness uh, and maybe keep Alabama 
off guard a little bit. I'm not so sure that that's really necessary for this game tomorrow. What do you think? I think you're probably closer to the truth than than, than Jacob is. Now, am I saying that there isn't a place where they're going to have a trick play? But there's a difference between a trick play and integrating in, say, a guy like Adrian Martinez into your offense for a particular series, for a particular uh, you know a way you want to do some things. Uh, uh, do you line up an Adrian Martinez as a receiver, lateral back to him uh, at the A, and let him throw deep because everybody thinks it's a toss sweep? Maybe. Maybe that's what you do. Maybe you. I don't know how you use him, but for him to come in at the position of quarterback and run an entire series or two, gosh, I, Tommy, unless unless K State gets behind, uh, unless K State has problems moving the ball, uh, unless K State has problems scoring when they should be scoring, uh, I don't think he will have a big presence in this game. I think he will get in the game. Don't get me wrong. I think that is the case. I think it'll be certain plays that he will get in, possibly certain downs and distances. That might be the case. I think he'll be scripted into this game somehow, but I don't think he's going to have much of a focus on him, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I still don't have a, a solid handle on the way that this game is going to play out um, because I do think that there are a number of scenarios that are within the realm of possibility that we can see tomorrow. It's really, and I think I, I asked Fitz about this yesterday, if you remember, right. uh, if there's a storyline between the two coaches, between Chris Kleiman and Nick Saban. Uh, and I think that there is because I think it's going to end up being a chess match. And there are some games that are not chess matches, right, Paul? It's like pure force. You're just going to go out there and just impose your will on the other team. Then there are other games and other matchups where it comes down to game plan and strategy and what are we going to focus on? What are we going to try to take away on either side of the ball? And again, there are so many different scenarios that I could see playing out in this game where, you know, one scenario is that Deuce Vaughn and DJ Giddens have a great game running the football. And if they're able to do that, then that's going to take a lot of the pressure off of Will Howard and he should play really well. And the Kansas, the Kansas State offense should look really good. So that's one scenario, but then you have to keep in mind that Alabama has Will Anderson on the other side of the ball, and if they have a dedicated pass rush, and they put quite a bit of pressure on Will Howard, and if the running game doesn't work, then that could, that could cause a lot of issues. On the other side of the ball, Kansas State has one of, if not the best defense in the Big 12. How does that translate against playing a guy like Bryce Young and the Alabama offense? So again... I think it could play out in a variety of different ways. I'm kind of with you, like, and I'm not just I'm not just trying to play coy here before our picks next hour. It, I think it's going to be a, a, a last second decision when we get to picks about what direction I want to go. Well, you're like me then, because you know I'm still torn between these. Uh, I think if 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 Alabama uh, was giving just a few more points, then I would take K State. But that's that border, you know. There is. You know, I guess these casinos get big and, and beautiful and have, are very expensive because they they know what they're doing. And they've picked a line. They've picked a point spread that I go, eh, gosh, I, you know, something that could go either way. And I guess that's what they want. But uh, the point is, is that uh, I don't know how to pick this game yet either. I think all the other games that we're picking today, which thank, thank thankfully, and I'm always grateful to Jacob, he always gives us those lists, you know, an hour in advance, and we're able to look them over. And I'm, But I think I know where I'm going with just about every pick. This Sugar Bowl has me flummoxed a little bit. It's really, it's really hard for me to pick one way or the other 
but we've got to make a decision on it. Yeah. Right now, I, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I'm leaning to Alabama. I don't know if that's right or not, but I don't know if that's right. Right. But I think – Well, I'm, look, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll double down on what I said on Wednesday on this, on this show. There are two different schools of thought here if you're going to bet this game. If we're looking at this game from a betting perspective in the spread, if you want to take Kansas State on the money line, if you think they're going to win the game and you take them on the money line, then I think you can also make an argument to take the under uh, because that would show that the Kansas State defense is going to show up and they're going to limit what Alabama can do offensively. If you're thinking that Alabama can cover that six-and-a-half-point spread, then I think you would also feel fairly comfortable in taking the over in that regard because at that point you would think that Alabama uh, will be able to score the football and Kansas State will probably be able to also. Uh, so I think there are two different schools of thought. But yeah, right now, you know, 9.43 in the morning, the day before the game, or just over 24 hours away, I'm still not sure which I'm direction I'm going, either. but we're going to have to make a pick next hour. So we'll do that oh uh, in the second segment of the second hour. That's coming up for you. When we come back, though, on the show, we're going to shift gears and look at basketball. Both the Jayhawks and the Wildcats kick off Big 12 play tomorrow on New Year's Eve. We'll preview both of those. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
Welcome back, everybody. Sports Daily on KFH. Tommy Caster and Paul Savage here with you on a Friday, the final show of 2022. We've got Big 12 basketball kicking off this weekend. Conference play for both the Jayhawks and the Wildcats. We'll talk about that in just a second. First off, 869-1240. Let's go to Brady, who's on the line. Brady, what's on your mind today? Hey, you guys. I'm really enjoying the show, and I hope you're having a nice holiday. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah. This might be more for Paul. Uh, Paul had an older brother that actually read the book, Meet on the Hoof. And uh, apparently, you know, it talks about, uh, obviously, the University of Alabama football. But if, if it's the correct book at the time, he had indicated there was a really funny story by Daryl Royal. Uh, and, and I don't know if you've come to this yet, this section of the book. But apparently, uh, and, and maybe it sums up the culture back then uh, versus now, but Daryl Royal at the University of Texas in uh, coaching and very, very intense, uh, as kind of was a climate back then in, in college football. But he had a student that was doing very, very poorly in class, and I think he had all Fs and one C. And, of course, the staff uh, asked the player to come in and they wanted to talk to him. And Daryl Royal said, son, what's, what's the issue? And the player was given his excuses, and Daryl Royal looked at him half-jokingly said, uh, son, I think you're spending too much time on one subject. And he goes, it was just, I just had to be there at the time, but all literally, literally all F to 1C. And um, didn't know if you had come to that yet, but very, very intense brand of football. Obviously back then, I'm sure it is now. But uh, uh, but with Darrell Royal, the longtime coach at the University of Texas, and Paul Bear Bryant, obviously you didn't need much more content than that to write a good book. And Paul, being you played at Baylor, I believe, uh, after that time, I think this might have been a little before you yes, were a student athlete. Yeah, and and you you could relate to that. Uh, you know what I mean? Is from Wichita going down south and even southeast, right? Um, right. The, the intensity and and what the, even the conference alignment at that time, the Southwest Conference. I think at six teams at, at that time, how much different it was uh, than nowadays. But anyway, you guys enjoy the show and uh, happy holidays. Uh, well, thank you, Brady. We appreciate that. And, 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 and Tommy, the, one of the things that, that I'll point out, and since Brady brought this book up, and obviously you're not familiar with it, find it. I hope, you know, you can go on eBay and I'm sure you can pick up a paperback copy of it, but it's a fascinating read back in the days when college football was cruel. It was just literally cruel, the 40s, 50s, and 60s. Uh, meat on the hoof refers to football players, young men going to these colleges, because in those days, teams could sign 80, 90 players a year and go get these players and bring them in. And, and yet the NCAA at that time only allowed them to have, I think, like 100. Don't quote me, but I think it's 120, something like that. But when you recruit 80 kids a year and sign 80 years a kid, uh, uh, kids a year, you can't have all those kids on your football team. But you right. can't. But you can't just cut them. You just can't get rid of them. They have to quit. They've got to. They've got to voluntarily mm. give up their their scholarships. Well, there will be a certain group of of literally 50, 60, 70 kids that there will be coaches assigned to make them quit through drills, through the things that they do in spring football, through the things they do in workouts. They will do – it was unbelievably cruel to make kids quit. The things that they would do, the drills that they did, uh, 
literally could be charged for crimes today uh, because of the, 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 the desire to, to make sure you stay under the limit. But you're signing 80, 85 kids a year, and you're bringing them into your, your, into your football program. They all can't be there, but you can't fire them. you got to make them quit. It's a, it's a fascinating uh. book, Tommy. It's Meat on the Hoof. Uh, it's basically from the early 60s is what the account is. And Texas is the focus of that particular uh, situation. Interestingly enough, um, a young graduate assistant by the name of Pat Culpepper was my linebacker coach and the defense coordinator at Baylor and my position coach. And he's prominent in this book. And some of the <laughs> some of the things that 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 these coaches would do, Tommy, you would be outraged at. And I think criminal charges almost could be filed at this point in time of, of where we are today in the, wow. in, in the world. But meet on the hoof, Tommy. Give it a read. Yeah. Try I'll to have find to check it that on, out. Ch- you buy a copy for a couple of bucks, I think, on uh, on eBay. Meet on the hoof. I, I'm not sure who the author is. Sorry. But it's, uh, it's basically the story of Texas Longhorn football and basically Southwest Conference football in general. But uh, very interesting. Mm. Try it, and, well, and you'll uh, yeah. really get a kick out of it. I'll have to check that out for sure and how far we've come in the oh, world yeah. of college football right. from uh, from then to now. Thanks again to Brady for the call, and we'd love to hear from you uh, on the show, 869-1240. Going to get ready for the second hour. What's on tap? We're going to talk Chiefs and Broncos. We'll, we'll talk about the Jayhawks and the Wildcats and their conference openers here in the, in the second hour. And then, of course, our Friday football picks on the way, too. It's all coming up for you. Hour number two on the final Sports Daily of 2022. It's on the way next. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.